This episode of the Outside Podcast is brought to you by L.L. Bean, your source for ready-for-anything outerwear this winter. L.L. Bean was founded in 1912 by outdoorsman Leon L. Bean, and for the last 108 years, they have been creating gear with one purpose, to get you outside no matter the conditions. Today, their outerwear is packed with the most advanced materials. Take their Primaloft Packaway Jacket, which combines revolutionary Primaloft gold insulation with a next-generation material called Aerogel. It's like sci-fi, but it's real. Aerogel was actually used by NASA to insulate spacecraft like the Mars rover. It's the world's lightest solid material. That's Outside Magazine gear director Will Taylor. His role has him overseeing field tests for all kinds of products and also studying up on the latest material science. Aerodrill has this porous structure. It's kind of like a sponge with a lot of empty space in it, like 95% air. What this means is it adds a lot of warmth to the layer without adding a lot of weight or bulk. In the Packaway jacket, it's fused with Primaloft Gold, which is an exceptional synthetic insulation. The end result is a jacket that is super light and keeps you really warm, even if you get wet. To help you get outside this winter, L.L. Bean has a wide range of innovative outerwear, plus cozy essentials like their versatile fleeces, which layer with anything. They've also created online guides to a number of outdoor activities so you can better plan your adventures. When it comes to outdoor comfort, L.L. Bean has you covered. Visit LLBean.com to shop winter gear now or find a store near you. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. From Outside Magazine and PRX, this is the Outside Podcast. Of all the people who might end up on a deer hunt in Arizona, Rachel Levin has to be among the least likely candidates. Hunting growing up was like maybe something I saw on that cartoon. I can't like the Elmer Fudd guy. Like, honestly, I just like, I came at it from, I didn't know anyone who hunted growing up, not one person. Today, Rachel is a food writer based in San Francisco, where she also hasn't had a lot of occasion to meet hunters. I think I knew one person that hunted here and they, they like went out to this like ranch and it seemed very like affluent thing that men arm elbow pads and boots and hound dogs do I don't even know what kind of dogs but you know so I, I really didn't know anyone but Rachel has always been curious about hunting she's a food obsessive always thinking about how to find the best ingredients and also the stories behind what she's eating and then I remember reading Michael Pollan, and he went boar hunting and thinking, like, if I did anything, I guess it would be boar hunting. And my, like, Jewish grandparents would, like, roll over in their grave. <laughs> boar hunting. When the opportunity finally presented itself for Rachel to go hunting, it wasn't with Elmer Fudd or a gentleman with hounds or Michael Pollan. In fact, it wasn't with men at all. And there were no guns involved. This January... Outside Magazine assigned Rachel a story that had her joining a bow hunt for mule deer in Arizona with two rising stars of Huntstagram, the social media sphere dedicated to all things hunting. Rihanna Carey and Amanda Caldwell are part of a growing group of women very publicly challenging traditional stereotypes of hunters. They both have large followings on Instagram, 
and they often broadcast live from their hunts to their audiences. While Rachel knew almost nothing about hunting going into the experience, she had written a book about how to avoid scary animals. So we figured she'd bring an interesting perspective to the story. And we were right. Outside contributor Stephanie Joyce lives and hunts in New Mexico. She talked to Rachel about her trip with Rihanna and Amanda and whether it made her want to do it again. This story starts at a Mexican restaurant in a small town outside of Phoenix. That's where Rachel met up with Rihanna, Amanda, and outside photographer Jen Judge, who's also a hunter. I was in the booth and then they walked in. I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> These two women come in and like full on camo because they had been hunting that day just sort of to get the lay of the land before I got there. And that and I was like, okay, of course they're them. And then Jen walks in. She's in overalls, kind of like it does come from her Airstream. <laughs> um, I had had on like embarrassingly like a cashmere sweater, which I don't even own that many cashmere sweaters, but like it had been cold. So I'm like in a cashmere sweater and my like cords from San Francisco. And, you know, it was just a funny, a funny meetup. A funny group. Um, and so what do you know about these women at that point? I knew they were hunters and that they um, had a lot of Instagram followers and they and we were bow hunting. And that's like really all I knew. I knew we were going for mule deer with a bow. But and then but then our server at the Mexican restaurant was like it was as if she was a plant. You know, she's like, Hello ladies, what are you doing? She was so confused. I mean, because we looked so random together. Like everyone else in the restaurant was kind of just like, to this small town, they're kinda older. And then we we had this like shiny booth of like these four women, two in camo with like long eyelashes me and my cashmere sweater and then Jen and her overalls like just introducing each other. We're like, hi, I'm Rachel. She's like, what is going on? <laughs> so and what like, did you say? And then Amanda and Rihanna just look at each other and they're like, we're going hunting, you know? And I was like, oh, yeah, we're going hunting. That's what I do. <laughs> and I kind of went into it intentionally kind of blindly just because you can't really know what you're getting into before you, you get into it. I don't think if you've never hunted. So you meet up at this Mexican restaurant. The four of you are like, hi, nice to meet you. Um, let's go hunting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and they, launched, and they launched into it with saying all these jargon and words. And I was like, wait, what? I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, let's back up. Like, what are we doing tomorrow? You know, what time do I need to get up? Okay, so... So you get this onslaught of information from them about hunting and what you're going to be doing. I mean, how are you feeling at that point? I'm feeling like, shit, what did I just get myself into? I think my big fear was kind of like, this is so like the cliche, but I was like, I hope it's not like a Dick Cheney thing. Like, what if I should I be wearing orange so like I don't get shot in the desert by the other hunters? Like, I really was just sort of like very San Francisco- Jewish girl cliche, <laughs> like just kind of not, you know, this isn't my world at all. Us girls have been having an amazing time so far. We've got Amanda, we have Rachel. So this is Rachel's first ever hunt that she's been on. What do you think? It's pretty fun. It's pretty early. <laughs> it's still the early morning. So we'll ask her after we get a few meal deer stocks in and see what she thinks then. <laughs> yeah, we're heading to our spot that we found a bunch of deer in and we're going to go hopefully try and make something happen. Amanda ride with our bones. Yeah, we had a great day yesterday. So yeah, fingers fast. Wish us luck.
And yeah, we rolled out into the truck. It was the, the door. It was freezing, you know, our breath. It was icy. And we like head out in the dark to this desert. And then we just like hop out into this, onto this like hard land. And they're like, just, okay, let's start glassing. I was like, that's it. It was, it was like so unceremonious. We're just like there. And uh, then we get out our binoculars and then we're like, I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing. I'm like, what am I looking for? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So describe the landscape for me. What did it look like when you, I mean, can you see anything? It's like the pre-dawn, I assume. Yeah, it was pretty dark. (laughs) It was pretty dark, but you want to get there before first light, I learned. And so we saw, so as it got a little lighter, I realized we're in this sort of just sagebrush. It was all like monochrome. It was just like beige and sage everywhere. And then they're looking, I was like, so what are we looking for? They're like, we're looking for little white butts. <laughs> it's like, so, I, you know, I didn't see any of those. Or, or, but, and so then we're just like looking at what looks like nothing. We hear, we hear some coyotes. Um, it was gorgeous. It was peaceful and quiet um, and beautiful. But I was like, how are we, how is anyone going to find anything? And then like within like a half hour, 20 minutes, I don't know, all of a sudden, I think it was Jen first. And she said, I've got deer. You know, I've got deer. I'm like, oh my god, she sees something. Like, how and where? <laughs> and um, and then she just is describing to Rihanna and Amanda where the deer is in this ginormous landscape. She's like, to the left of that swaro and the over the drainage. I'm like, what's a drainage? You know, sort of just like where? And and then they all find it. They all sync up and they find the same thing she's seeing. And then they're like, okay, this, let's go, let's do this. I think it was about 1,200 yards away. And so I didn't really know what was going to happen then, but it turns out then Rihanna was going to set out in search of the deer and get closer. So, I mean, within maybe not even an hour of starting to actually hunt, you're on a deer. Rihanna's on a stock. Yeah, I was like, and they were so confident. I was like, oh my God, we're only, we've only been here two hours. This whole trip is over. I have no story. Like we're going to get a deer this quick. I thought it was supposed to be hard. I I had heard that the odds of this hunt were 10% given that it was the season and the bow and arrow and the mule deer and, you know, 10% odds. And I was like, and we just got this. Like, I was like, this is so easy. I can't believe like this is take only taking two hours. We have five more days. Maybe we'll get another deer, I guess. I don't know. And so finally we were like, there she is. And she's over the ridge. And then I we see where the deer is bedded. And then we see Rihanna crawling like super carefully, like over the ridge in this like scope in this spot, in this like circle. So it looked kind of like those like old spy movies, you know, and I'm like watching. And then I see Rihanna and the deer and they're in the same sphere in the same, you, you know, see them at the same time. <laughs> yes. And I was like, this is amazing, but it was, and then you're just watching her get closer and closer and the deer there. And then, Oh my God. And then, and then the deer bolts. <laughs> I was like, Oh, so it's not that easy. Uh huh. <laughs> And I mean, when when you thought that Rihanna was going to get the deer, how did that how did you feel? I felt, you know, watching it, I was like, okay, this is what I came for. I'm here to watch a deer get killed. But then I was like, oh, my God, no. Like, you know, my 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 loyalty was with the animal. Are you kidding me? I was like, I don't I've just been there two hours. I was like, I don't want this deer to die. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, sorry, Amanda, because I think I was like, oh, but not, you know. I definitely was like happy that the deer got away at that point. Two hours into the hunt, I was like, go deer. So that first deer gets away. Uh, do you see any other deer that day? Um, we had another stock, I believe, that day. But then I started to realize, okay, wait, this isn't easy. This is yeah. actually, 
this is actually like kind of hard. And, and, you know, and then the day went on and we, it just went on and on and on. I mean, the day kept going and then it got dark and it started raining and I couldn't, I was bumping into cactus and I had like needles in my legs. And I was just like, why are we even doing this? Like why we can just go out for dinner. Like, you know, you kind of get this, like, this is intense. Like this is a long, hard effort to try to get this animal. And we're only into day one. And I wasn't really having fun yet at all. What is it that intrigued you about hunting before you actually went? I'd always been curious about it. You know, it's not that far from the farmer's market. I mean, we go to the farmer's market to get our fresh tomatoes and or grow your own tomatoes or um, go mushroom foraging as, you know, people like to do or do or even fishing, which I've gone fishing before. I just feel, but it felt like this is like an obvious next step that so many urbanites or suburbanites or just, you know, Costco shoppers just rarely do. So, so you really, um, I was just intrigued to like, it's the obvious next step for anyone who cares about where their food comes from. Yeah. I mean, that's really, I, that's an interesting observation to me. Like I think, um, I certainly got into hunting for the food aspect of it. You know, I'm a meat eater. I felt like it was my responsibility to understand the implications of that. And, you know, I happen to live in places where hunting is much more common. You know, I had friends who hunted, but like, I definitely got into it for the food. Like my goal my goal was to fill the freezer mm-hmm. when I started hunting. So I think there's a big window for hunters to kind of open and speak more to the food cult, like the hunting culture, speaking to the food culture. I think there's a lot of missed opportunity, missed overlap there. Um, hunting demographics are definitely have declined over the last 50 years. But um, I think they would find more friends in the food culture. The two, the two cultures need not be... Um, at odds in the way that I think sometimes they are, or the way that I thought of them a little bit. Like I thought of, I associated more with gun culture than food culture. And really, I think hunting should be associated with food culture if you're hunting with the right people. (laughs) You know, I don't know. But did you grow up, did you grow up hunting, like no one in your family hunted or? No, I grew up in a Quaker vegetarian family oh my god amazing Uh, (laughs) I love it yeah yeah and so yeah I'm I'm definitely uh the first gun owner in my family (laughs) um how do they how do they how do they feel about it um you know we don't talk about it that much I think like they understand on an intellectual level but on an emotional level no one in my no one else in my family has ever been hunting um, I think, you know, my mom's perspective is definitely more like, why is, why aren't you just a vegetarian? Like, right. you don't have to eat meat. Right. Um, and, you know, that's a, I, I think that's a totally valid point. But the vegetarian thing, it's interesting. I mean, I was a vegetarian for like 10 years too. Um, and so was Rihanna. She was a vegetarian. She was vegan. I mean, I actually <laughs> think there's a lot of overlap between the vegetarian world and the hunting world because it is sort of like if you want to know where your meat comes from I mean it's clear I think there's a lot of vegetarians a lot of hunting hunters have been vegetarians and I think it's kind of fascinating and makes sense yeah people who really like care about where their food comes from and you know I think people get into it for many different reasons but like you know I didn't 
go on my first hunt until I was in my late 20s. Um, who took and, you or how did you, who got, who got you into it? Um, a friend who's a really enthusiastic hunter. I expressed some, like I expressed like the most vague amount of interest in it. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, cool. So you're going to put in for this tag in this unit and we're going to go together and harvest your first animal. And I was like, okay. Um, you know, and honestly, like, I don't think I would have done it necessarily on my own. Like this friend really like dragged me into it and he's just like super enthusiastic about hunting. He is also like a late in life hunter. Um, he learned to hunt as an adult from his wife actually. And I went out with him, I harvested my first animal and like, I processed the whole thing, like did all the grinding, packaging. Um, Mm -hmm. so, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, which is so far from how most people get their food these days. So that's, I mean, I think it's, I think it's fascinating. I mean, I, I think to be able to do that and feed yourself and your family, I mean, especially like when you're just, everyone's freaking out about short meat shortages and the slaughterhouses have been a disaster. And it's just, I mean, just to sort of opt out of all of that um, right now must feel really good. <laughs> it is, it is. Yeah. And, you know, what I am excited about in the trend of women just being more visible in hunting is the hopes that people like you will will find yourself, you know, in a place where, like, you can reach out to a Rihanna or an Amanda or someone like me and be like, hey, like, I'm interested. Can you help me get into this? You know, I'm taking a lot of my female friends shooting, you know, just giving them the skills to be able to do this themselves if they if they so chose yeah yeah no I know they were so excited to take me I think they were like looking at this opportunity Rihanna Amanda and Jen were like we're your first introduction to hunting like I think they felt sort of this um empowerment and just sort of excitement about that like so excited to take a total virgin hunter who would probably never have otherwise gone out and show them um how it's done I think is a real powerful it's a powerful thing to do and I, I do think like women hunting with other women is a is a good way is a good entree I don't know why I mean I love men too but I just feel like it felt it just felt really fun and um accessible we had a super awesome day yesterday we chased tons of bucks and Tons of deer, so today was a little bit slower. We've had less cloud cover this morning. So. so you go out the next day. When in this experience do you actually start feeling like you actually want to get an animal? Do you ever start feeling like you really want to get an animal? I think day three was a turning point for me. <laughs> but yeah, day three, I think really I was like getting in the groove of it. I'm like, okay, hey, now I understand how this day is going to go. We're going to get up in the dark. We're going to go to bed in the dark. Or, you know, we had no, there was no daylight hours that we were not hunting, obviously, because um, first light to last light, and then you have to get, you know, so basically I was like, okay, now I'm getting the rhythm of the day. And then we're all like, okay, this is going to be hard. And then we're like, maybe we should get an ATV. If we cannot have an ATV, we can cover more ground. Because we were just in our truck and then on foot. So, um, so okay, let's get an ATV. Rihanna let me her camo pants. So I felt cooler because I had been wearing these like really lame baggy 
old REI zip offs. So now that I was dressed apart, I felt a little more legit, but, um, no, but, but, um, so yeah, I think as we just were sort of like getting into it, then we saw the more stocks we had, the more I got into it. It is 7am on morning three and we have books spotted. Four by four. Yeah. Looks like a good buck. So he's in the same spot that I stocked those bucks the other day too. So so we know the train. We know that there's a good draw that goes down to him if he just stays in the right area, the same spot. Um, you look like an angel. <laughs> this is our good luck. This is our good luck. <laughs> Hoping so, because she's going to be hunting, right? Woo! There. So. Wish me luck. Okay, bye. I still didn't really want to kill a deer. I wanted to, like, get to it. I still wasn't like, let's see this thing die. I was still like, oh, I would like to reach a deer and see it, you know? Um, but there was a couple of moments where we're just like standing there, you know, and I, we walked a little bit and stopped and saw these deer and we're just like watching deer. And I'm just sitting there watching a deer, like this is my day. And, and I started to become, I started to get into it, but that, that wasn't probably until day four when I actually enjoyed sitting for hours, looking at this, like one spike of one antler in a bush for three hours. <laughs> That wasn't fun until day four. <laughs> and what do you think it was that what it like what changed for you that made you get excited about it? I think it was just the more this became our our life, like our, our way of life for this week. I think sort of, you know, the busyness of the world and, and the point and why I was there to write the story. It was all kind of went away and you're like, we're just in this desert looking for a deer and and that became our sole focus, really. What I loved and the simplicity of that focus, I think I enjoyed that almost, like the way of just, this is our, our singular goal and it's a collective goal, you know? So I was sort of getting into the, the difficulty of it and how these women are real experts at this. I mean, really have dedicated so much of their time and days to, to this, you know, existence or way of life that, um, you know, stepping into their shoes a little bit in it and experiencing what they experienced and their love of it was kind of infectious. After the break, Rachel keeps on surprising herself. At the top of the episode, we talked about LLB, your source for ready-for-anything outerwear this winter. And according to Outside Magazine gear director Will Taylor, to really be ready for anything when the temperature drops, you need a couple essential layers in your closet. During the winter, for me, the jacket that I reach for the most is a high-quality down puffy. I use it to walk with my daughter in the mornings. I use it on really cold ski days. I use it climbing at the crag and belaying. As Will points out, those old worries you might have about down getting wet, they don't apply to modern high-tech versions. This is especially true with L.L. Bean's Ultralight 850 Down Outerwear, which is made with PFC water-repellent down that stays dry 17 times longer than untreated down for better protection from the cold. The other layer that I tell everyone to get is a windproof fleece. You get that comfort and classic look of the fleece, but you have that wind-blocking layer. Because if you've ever been in the wind in a standard fleece, it just cuts right through it. So the jacket with the integrated wind protection is just a much more versatile piece. Here, L.L. Bean's Mountain Classic Windproof Fleece is in a class of its own. The brushed fleece is exceptionally cozy, and it features exclusive air shield technology that blocks out wind, but is also highly breathable and soft. 
so the jacket doesn't feel stiff like other windproof fleece layers. If you're happy and warm when you go outside, that just means you're going to go outside more. And that's the ultimate goal. When it comes to outdoor comfort, L.L. Bean has you covered. Visit LLBean.com to shop innovative winter outerwear or find a store near you. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. So going into the hunt, what you were worried about was running into other hunters and maybe getting shot. (laughs) Do you run into other hunters? Yes, we run into very few, but we did run into a couple. We ran into uh, this group of guys who had gotten an animal. They had gotten a deer, but they were just sort of rude a little bit, condescending and sort of, you know, later on they kind of, we saw them throughout throughout the day. We saw them at night and we thought, and we thought we saw a deer and we stopped our ATV and it was kind of last light and they're pull up behind us with their shine, their bright lights. And they're like, Hey, it's just a, it's just a quail or, you know, it was just sort of like, they kind of just dismissed and we're like that, we, that actually could have been a deer. And you just like shone your bright lights on us. So they were jerks. Um, I felt kind of intimidated by them and their presence. You know, we kind of, we, we saw, we came across no one in the landscape except for a little while. And then we saw these guys and I suddenly felt kind of vulnerable. Like you're in the middle of nowhere literally in the middle of nowhere. Like you're in the middle of the wilderness. No one's, there's no one watching anyone. Like you yell help. No one's going to help you. And maybe that was my like urban, you know, woman way of like, don't walk after dark. But I I really was like, kind of suddenly felt vulnerable in a way that I hadn't for the first few days of the hunt. Like who knows who these guys are? Cause they were just kind of, they just weren't great. And then on the flip side, we ran into another guy um, who was so nice, but he looks at Rihanna. He's like, Hey, aren't you Rihanna from mountain ops? Like he kind of, he was like sort of star truck. It was like, Oh my God, it's Rihanna. Just like out in the middle of the wilderness. Yeah. Um, he was like, I wow. recognize you. She's like, yeah. You know, it was like, it was like, it was a whole different world of celebrity spotting, which was fun to see. I love that. But then we also ran into a really nice family, um, a mom and her husband and her teenage or like 20 something year old son, this woman, Rhonda, from Flagstaff and she looks at us and she's like, Oh my God, I never see women hunters. Like she's like, looks at Rihanna and um, Jen. She's like, Oh, I saw you two. And then she looks at me and Amanda and she's like, and then I saw two more. <laughs> like we were these, like <laughs> this rare species of like women together hunting. And she, I think was kind of jealous. Like she's like, I think it really like surprised her to see that, um, which was interesting to see. Cause it really, shows how rare it is. I mean, women and every woman hunter I talk to, I ask them how they got into it. It's through their boyfriend or husband or guy friends. Like, I think I'm I'm like, I was just introduced to hunting by three women, which I love. (laughs) Totally. Well, and so like, that's really, I mean, that's really interesting to me that this woman expressed surprise and also like maybe a little bit of envy because I think like what, what so many of these Instagram, Instagram accounts promise is making hunting like it it makes women hunters more visible obviously women have been hunting forever there's always been women hunters but with these social media influencers they're making women's hunting more visible more inclusive than like the traditional stereotype maybe of what hunting has been i mean out there in the field with them did you feel welcome like did you feel like it was an inclusive space 
Yeah, I did because apart from the, the that ATV of three dudes, it was. It was just four women out in the wilderness together. I felt fully in good hands. Like, they're so capable. Like, I felt like, who needs men on this at all? Like, why would we even come with, why would they even ever come with men? And it felt, it felt like this is a world that um, should belong to women just as much as it belongs to men. And I felt like not having all the pressures, I'm sure that they, I know they feel um, when they're in the world of hunting at the trade shows or, you know, in, uh, in the field when they encounter other men. Um, it's not like all blissful, like, oh yeah, women are just as equal on the, on the hunting scene. They're not necessarily, but, um, but I felt like out there, yeah, that they were. You know, in their Instagram feeds, their followers are like 75% men, um, which mirrors the hunting demographics in general. But yeah, they were acknowledging like, mm, they've been like in Cabela's and been like, where's your husband? Or, um, you know, out in the field and have a guy come up and be like, Rihanna was like, I just got this elk. And the guy's like, you did? Like kind of, because he didn't. And, he, you know, so they've, they've encountered, I mean, obviously they've encountered um, some not so great people men out there and women. I mean, it's a very judgy, (laughs) judgy world, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think at least in theory, like they make people feel more welcome in this world that's traditionally been, you know, a very small subset of the population. Um, But in a lot of ways, like I don't actually feel like they're very representative at all of, you know, the hunting world at large. They Mm -hmm, don't actually mm -hmm. represent, you know, most hunters. I grew up in Alaska, um, where a lot of people subsistence hunt. And I guess I'm curious, like, did you talk to Rihanna and Amanda at all about the lack of diversity, um, both of, you know, political persuasion, race, um, you know, diversity in ways other than gender, which I don't, women have been hunting forever. It's not, it's not really the area in which hunting needs to right there's definitely other areas i mean the diversity i think you look at the pie charts and all the reports of hunting and it's like 97 percent white um whereas women are now i think 20 percent of hunters the instagram i mean social media influencers in the in that way too is is so white (laughs) and so um women of as jen says like it's so hard not to find a pretty woman um on instagram but I think just the what Instagram and Instagram is helping is just to spread just a lot. I think it's helping to round it out. Like I, I do think it was a narrow, a narrow view you might have of hunter or I had of hunters and who the hunters were. So if we can widen a little bit, it needs to keep. It needs to widen even more. Um, but I do think it's helping to sort of expand the the definition of hunters or or who or spreading awareness of, of who hunts. I mean. You don't see women holding, like, giant six-point elk antlers covered in blood. I mean, that's not who I'm thinking when I think... You say hunter, that's not who comes to mind. So I I think it's cool. It's, like, one little window into it, but there's um, a whole world out there of of hunters. I'm here checking in from AZ... We have been spending some serious time behind the glass, and we've been seeing bucks every day. Um, We got three stocks in yesterday, um, but they are switched on here. Um, 
they've been hunted since August. So they're definitely very wary. Um, bucks are definitely chasing does hard. So that's awesome. We've seen them leave the country with them, <laughs> chasing them so hard. <laughs> Even one of the ones we're stalking. So it's definitely got a few things going against us as far as like the, the hunting pressure and then the full moon. So they've been kind of up all night and we're having a hard time finding them in the day. We've been finding most of the ones that we've stocked in on bedded. So, okay. So day four, you're starting to like, four, like really get into this. You're like, <laughs> you're feeling finally comfortable. You understand what's happening. You're like excited about sitting there for three hours staring at a single antler. How How is the actual getting a shot on an animal part of this going? Um, yeah, we had not yet taken a shot, if I'm correct. We just sort of got really close. So it was like, okay, we need to step this up. Days, our time is ticking. You know, we only have five days. It's day four. We're like, okay, we're looking for like a flicker of an ear or something. Um, and then Jen sees a deer and she's like, I've got deer and it's a four by four. And we're like, yes, four by four, like four points on each antler. Um, and then we just stalk him and that he bounds off. So like, okay. So you got to like, but each time you lose it, you got to like get the energy. You're like, okay, you got to get back on the horse or whatever the hunting equivalent of that is. But <laughs> you need to, uh, and then Jen spots another deer and it's like this deer under a tree, but we're not sure. Cause it doesn't really have antlers, but it doesn't have an antler. So we're like, is that a deer? Is it not? Um, so Rihanna and Jen are, had already been on that other stock where they lost the deer. So they're like, we text them. We're like, Hey, there's a deer. We think it's a deer, but only has one antler. Here's where we think it is. We text them sort of the coordinates of where, um, that deer might be. And then they're like, okay. And so they hadn't, when they also, they hadn't even gone out with water or food. Cause it was just kind of like a last minute quick stock. Now we, now we know don't ever <laughs> do that because then they, they just pivoted from one stock to the next. And then we're out on this other stock that went forever. And then, you know, we lose that one too. So then, but <laughs> then it was like our last day, but like, really you're like, Oh my God, you can't, you're getting so close. And then our last day before 7am, Jen finds another deer. It's a four by four, the biggest deer we've seen yet. And it's only like 800 yards away. I have got an awesome buck spotted. A really nice four by four. And we're like, this is it. This is amazing. And then um, Rihanna and Amanda decide to go after it together, which is kind of risky because it's like, two stocks two i mean two cents like two like people too much noise but they're like maybe it will allow for more opportunity to like actually get the deer because we have to get the deer and they were feeling the pressure i think amanda and rihanna were like we've got to get a deer you know he's the biggest buck we've seen on the trip yeah he is we can make it happen on him on the last day of the trip oh my god say prayer for us please thanks at this point, I was like, yes, we need to get this one. So we're, like, watching this deer. Rihanna and Amanda are on this epic stock. Um, we do not move. Like, Jen has to pee. I'm like, you cannot pee. We have to sit and keep eyes on this deer because we cannot lose this thing. Um, and then they split up, and then they get so close. Um, Rihanna's, like, basically, like, 130 yards away. Amanda kind of takes off her boots. She's in her socks, like, crawling through, like, the cactus. Um and she gets within like 25 yards and this deer is still asleep and, and Jen and I are riveted. I mean, we're sitting, I don't know how far away, we're probably a thousand yards we're like through these binocs and we are riveted watching all this go down. Um, and then Rihanna can see the deer, but Amanda can't. 
um, from where she is. So Rihanna texts her exactly where she is. She's like, just wait till the deer stands. So we're all just waiting for this deer to stand, like united <laughs> in this giant desert, waiting for this one deer to stand. And then it stands, and I'm like, holy shit, we're getting the deer. And then, and then, for some reason, given the, the there was a gradation in the terrain or something, and then Amanda doesn't see the deer, doesn't see the deer, even though the deer, we all see the deer standing. We see Amanda. She can't see the deer. <laughs> no. Uh, so then, you know, we're like, he's up, he's up. And she's, and then the deer bolts. And we're like, oh, but then he bolts right towards Rihanna. We're like, oh my God, he's coming towards you. Get ready. And then Rihanna is ready. And then that deer stops right like 10 yards from Rihanna. And we're like, yes. But it stopped right behind a giant bush. And Rihanna could not see his body. She did not have a clean shot. And so she lost him. The guy bolts. He sees her. They lock eyes. He takes off. We're like, ugh. Like, it was the biggest deer the last day. Um, 10 yards. Like, 10 yards. And, <laughs> and we lost him. Um, and so, you know, I was like, oh, that's what that means when they say the one that got away. <laughs> Suddenly it was like... That's what I never felt that. That totally makes so much sense now. And so you're disappointed. Like, are you, you're like, you're I'm feeling disappointed. It. I was like, wow, I've really, at this point, I want to kill a deer. Like, I was like, I don't know who I am anymore, but I'm like, we've got to get this deer. Um, and so then we have, we have to like shake that one off because it just was such a, such a letdown, like such a disappointment. And Rihanna was like, but this is what, you know, she's like, it wasn't an ethical shot. I just didn't have a clean shot. Like I, I wasn't going to take that shot. Um, I didn't know this before. I never, before I had ever hunted, but you can't just shoot at anything at any time. <laughs> you can't just like shoot a sleeping deer at night. That's just not how hunting works. So it was so exhilarating and we had to go home empty handed. And it was like, that's part of the hunt. Like I realized that that's just part of it. You know, in that moment, what do you say to each other? I remember kind of driving out and the, the sun said it, it was like the sky was purple and we're in the ATV and it's the air is cool and we all just feel kind of exhilarated but deflated. You know, like um, I'm sad that I didn't get the, uh, to, the opportunity to feel what I would have felt. Like I'm just curious what I would have thought watching an animal die um, and then eating it you know, and, and, and helping to dismember it and, and doing all that dirty work that it requires. Um, and how would I've been forever changed from, you know, um, from my like carnivorous unthinking habits or would I, would I, you know, would I, I wonder how it would have affected me. So I am really curious how I would have felt had we gotten something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Were you surprised by the change in yourself? Over the course of this week, were you surprised by how into it you really got? Yes. I never would have thought I would have enjoyed it in the way that I did. I, I really, and I hadn't gone into it thinking, will I enjoy this? I had gone into it thinking, will I be able to do this? Like, will I be able to stomach it? And now I'm sort of, I just want to go back. I do kind of want to give it another shot, you know. But I, I, I think we all felt really, we gave it like, a thousand percent like there was like they they just put so much work in and you see how much work is involved just to get dinner 
you know, and we don't have that in our world today um, at all. We have the antithesis of that with, you know, on-demand everything and Uber Eats and everything. So it really was like this 60 plus hours or however many hours is in five really long days. Um, I feel like I will, it's altered the way I've looked at um, myself and the way I, the way I eat really. I mean, it's not like we can all go out with a bow and arrows and harvest dinner. Like, I mean, that's not the way the world works either. But, um, but I think everyone should try it. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone should try it. That was outside contributor Stephanie Joyce speaking with writer Rachel Levin. You can read Rachel's feature about her first hunt in the September-October issue of Outside Magazine and also on our website. And while you're there, please consider making a contribution to fund the storytelling we do on this show. You can do that now at outsideonline.com backslash podcast listener. This episode was brought to you by L.L. Bean, your source for ready-for-anything outerwear this winter. Visit llbean.com to shop now for high-tech jackets and versatile fleece that layers with anything. L.L. Bean, be an outsider. We'll be back next week.